grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And our text today is from Revelation chapter 1. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who have pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Dear friends of Christ, as the time gets closer to the end of the world, the Bible says that there will be an increasing amount of wickedness on the earth. Uh, evil will have its final say uh, before Christ comes back again in his glory. There will be an increase of suffering. There will be an increase of pain. There will be an increase of natural disasters and an increase of death. And I, th I, think, I think we see all that happening right now. I think that's what we're seeing in the world today, an increase of evil, an increase of brokenness, broken governments and struggles. We're nearing the end, floods and earthquakes. Uh, but that's my opinion. You know, others have predicted Christ's return coming soon, and they've been wrong. But one thing is certain, he's coming again. But just as I look and I, I see the world today, all the signs are there. Yeah, have you seen the recent issue of The Reporter? That's, our, that's that magazine or that, that uh, newsletter that our, our synod puts out, uh, kind of a newspaper format, the monthly publication. And, of course, in, that, in the last issue, there was a, a page asking us to pray for people that need, our, that need mercy. They need help because they've suffered from recent natural disasters that have impacted their lives in a dramatic way. In Hawaii, the Kilauea volcano erupted in May. And you remember that story, how it destroyed uh, neighborhoods, how the lava flow destroyed many people's lives. Last year, Cyclone uh, Aki hit the southern tip of India near where our Concordia Theological Seminary in India is at. We have a seminary in India. And, and of course, that, that, um, that cyclone hit 200 People were killed and over $5 billion worth of damage. And then, of course, in June, uh, vol Volcano Fuego erupted in Guatemala. This was a horrible disaster. Uh, they weren't able to count the numbers that were dead, but hundreds and hundreds. And then there are the wildfires in California, where they say like 500 people have died, and of course, uh, whole cities wiped off the face of the earth with, a, with fire, and homes destroyed, lives ruined. Well, the book of Revelation predicts all this. It predicts all this stuff will come with a greater frequency. It predicts that there will be a wickedness upon the earth, a, a falling away. The Bible calls it a deception. There will be a final deception of Satan, and he will cloud the minds of people and even those in the church will fall away from God. Sounds like that's what's happening to me. That people are flocking away from the church in great numbers. Letting society affect them rather than letting the word of God affect who they are. Letting society and the wickedness of our world be their king instead of letting Christ be the king of their life, the one who is the true king. And how are we supposed to deal with this world that's increasingly evil, society, governments that are unjust, a world that's evil and broken? How are we supposed to deal with all that in our age? How are we supposed to deal with the wickedness of people? You know, listen, if it's near the end, 
And if all these prophecies are indeed coming true, then we should be concerned, right? We have a reason to be uncertain. Maybe a reason to have a little fear. But I want you to know something. It's because of all this uncertainty and all this fear that we have this day at the last Sunday of the church year called Christ the King Sunday. As we faced all the uncertainty and the disasters of the world and the trials and the tragedies that we face against the backdrop of all that anxiety, against the backdrop of all the evil governments, against the backdrop of all natural resources that are running short, everything that's predicted against the backdrop of all these natural disasters, we lean, we lean upon the certain promises of God. Christ is King. And that's our theme. In order to help us better appreciate the fact that Christ is King, because it certainly doesn't appear that way in our world, I want us to think about the power of a king. Think about the supreme power a king possesses. Because the Bible says that is the way Christ is. He is the king. There is no power or authority greater than He. He is the ultimate. We call it the kingdom of power in, in, as a, as in theology, the kingdom of power. And the kingdom of power is Christ's rule over everything. Now, in the kingdom of the church, He rules in our hearts. But in the kingdom of power, He rules over believers, unbelievers, over the whole universe. He is the almighty, the omnipotent, all power. People say, is there anything, if he's all powerful, is there anything God can make that's more powerful than he? And the answer is no, because by very nature, he is all powerful. I don't think you and I even begin to understand what that means. That he has all power over the entire universe. And you remember what Jesus told his disciples as, before he ascended into heaven. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And St. Paul also wrote, God placed all things under Jesus' feet, appointed him to be head over everything. And remember what his disciples said about Jesus? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this man? Sometimes we forget who he is. That's right, he is the omnipotent, the all-powerful Son of God who rules over everything. A sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without his knowing. A blade of grass doesn't die without him knowing that that blade of grass died. The sun doesn't rise in the morning unless he says, sunrise. All the forces of nature and even all the unknown forces of the universe are under his control. Because he's Christ the King. And yet, Jesus not only controls the forces of nature, he also controls the forces of society too. He has all power over princes and kings and rulers and governments of the world. What does Scripture say? Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which comes from God. And those authorities of government which exist are, have been established by God. God establishes rulers. God establishes kingdoms. God establishes presidents. 
And at no point does any earthly power, not a king, not a president, not a dictator, none of them can do anything that surprises Jesus. That's why Romans tells us that Christ works all things together for his good. God takes all the brokenness of the world, all the evil of the world, all the injustice of the world, and works it for good. For the good of his holy Christian church. Christ is king. And as a believer in Christ, that should give you much comfort. That he's ruling all darkness, all levels of brokenness to accomplish his purpose for you. That one day you'll live with him in his coming kingdom. And when we enter that day, we'll say, Lord, you've done all things well. That should give you much comfort because no matter how bad things are, no matter how evil things are getting, no matter how many disasters we face, Christ is king. And no disaster can change that. The fact never changes, and by His power, He uses every evil to accomplish His purpose. Everything, good or bad, will usher in His second kingdom. Everything, good or bad, will usher in His second coming. And there's no power in Washington. There is no stockpile of nuclear weapons. There there is no army, no nation that can thwart His kingship and His kingdom that's coming. It's all under the flexing muscle of His strength because Christ is King. But some might ask, well, if that's true, if Christ is King and and He has everything under His power and control, then why do terrible things happen? If He is Christ the King, then why why does evil exist? And why doesn't he prevent the evil and prevent the disaster? Why? Well, there are several answers to that question, but the first thing I want you to think about is how do you know he hasn't prevented many disasters? How do you know he hasn't prevented many wars? How do you know he's not at work in your life? How do you know things couldn't be much, 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 much worse? How many disasters, how many terrorist plots has he thwarted? How many bombs have missed their target? How many drunk drivers has God guided home safely to keep someone from being killed? Jesus is king, and he works all things together for our good. All things aren't good. (laughs) There are many things in this world that aren't good, but he works all those wrong things, and he works them together for the good of his people, the good of his people, the good of the believers of his church. And that's why the Bible can make this promise. God will put his angels in charge over you to protect you wherever you go. God will wrap you with his angels. Scripture says it this way, all things work together for good for those who love him. God uses the terrible things to accomplish his purposes. 
St. Paul wrote, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the sake of the church. And, and that's the key. He's king for your sake. He's king for the sake of the church, the body that he loves, the people that he loves. He is king over a people, and that's you, and that's me, for your benefit and for mine. And that's incredible, isn't it? But Jesus is not just the king of power. The Bible says Jesus is also king of grace. The kingdom of grace is what we call it in theology. And the kingdom of grace isn't like the kingdom of power. The kingdom of power rules over everything. The kingdom of grace is very specific. It only rules in the hearts of his people. The kingdom of grace only rules among those hearts in which he rules. Those hearts in which Jesus lives. That's where the kingdom of God is found. In your heart and in mine. And so we have that power of the king. And we don't see it. We have the power of the king living inside of us and we don't get it. What all this means. That he comes to work it all together to benefit his holy Christian church. And the communion of saints and the forgiveness of sins. As the blood of Jesus flows to us because he becomes our personal savior. And he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And he makes us holy by his blood and our sins are forgiven. For our benefit. And it's not something we deserve. It's not something we've even earned. By grace. By the power of his undeserved love. Salvation has been given to you. And he does it because he loves you. He died to save you. St. John refers to all this when he wrote, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That was our text. He made you to be his kingdom. Wow. What a privilege. The King of kings and Lord of lords has made you to be the kingdom of his priests, the holy men and the holy women of God, made you to serve him now and for all eternity. And now you stand before God blameless. You stand before God made righteous in the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus is on your side. The King is on your side. Because the Bible says he's the judge who will judge on that last day. The king who forgives your sins. The king who loves you is the king who judges you on that last day. And he's not on your side because you've been great. He's not on your side because you deserve it. He's on your side because he died to pay for your sins and you believe it. That should give you great comfort. Jesus is king. Christ is king. King of your heart. And there's no forces of evil that can change that. There's no forces of the world, no world power that can take salvation away from you. And that's why you can say with the psalmist, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. The king is with me. I will not fear. And we know we have the power of God's grace 
The king rules in our hearts. What can they do to me? I'm in God's hands. Unfortunately, many of your friends don't know that. Many, sometimes many members of your family don't know that. They walk in darkness and unbelief. They don't have the power of Christ ruling in their hearts. Christ the king is not present with them. They're not part of the kingdom. Because they deny his power. They deny the power of his grace and, he, and Christ denies them. And that's where you and I come into the picture because we are the proclaimers of our King. We are the heralds of the King of kings and Lord of lords. It's our job to let them know that Jesus loves them, that He forgives, that a kingdom is coming, and they don't want to miss it. Because right now they're refusing to believe that they need His forgiveness. They're refusing to believe or hear the good news. But who's going to tell them? You are. So we have the kingdom of God's power over all things. We have the kingdom of God's grace in the hearts of His believers. And then we have the kingdom of God's glory. Now what's the kingdom of God's glory? It's simply this. It's when He comes again and establishes His kingdom and puts the head back on the universe. The Bible says the universe is without its head. The universe lost its head when we fell into sin. What would your body be like if you lost your head? How would you reason? How would you think? Would you know who, where you're, who you are? Would you know where you're going? Have you ever seen a chicken with its head cut off? That's the way the world is. That's the way the universe is. And the Bible says in the end, God's going to put his head back on creation. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of his universe, his creation. And the head will be put back on it. And all evil will be cast out. And do you remember how Jesus is going to return? The Bible says on that day when he comes back again, he's going to return in glory. We will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, it says. He's coming again with his angels, with all his saints, to judge the living and the dead and to take us. He's coming back to take his children to live with him in the glories of heaven forever and ever. My friends, this should bring you great comfort. Jesus is king. Christ is king. And he'll reign for all eternity. And we'll live there in his glory. When Jesus returns, he's not going to come back like that weak person we saw, that, that poor man who had been beaten bloody and nailed to a cross. No, he's not going to come weak. The Bible says he's, his hair is on fire. His eyes are blazing. He is the true God-man. And every tongue will confess and every knee will bow before the King of Kings even those who refused to believe that he was king while they lived on this earth. And he'll rule in power and glory for you and for me. Not for all the unbelievers. They'll be cast out. They won't be part of his eternal kingdom. 
And that's why the Bible says all the saints, all the angels, all the heavenly beings will sit around the throne of God and they'll cry out in a loud voice, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Christ is King. And of course, I want you to know that the glory that belongs to Jesus is going to one day surround you. That's going to be spectacular. The glory of Jesus the King will one day completely envelop you. It's beautiful, and again, that should bring you great comfort. And that's why Jesus said, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus is King. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.